we supposed to get married? I'm going to just swipe I left. just want somebody to share my life. We cannot force our attractions, but we can educate them. You can keep waiting for the fairy tale, or you can get on board with the new rules of relationships. If you've read my advice in the LA Times, then you know this ain't your mama's love advice. This is Dates and Mates with Damona Hoffman. Hello, lovers. Welcome to another intriguing episode of Dates and Mates. I know so many of you are feeling the pressure in dating and relationships. And I think it's time that we brought a more optimistic approach. But of course, I'm not going to just leave you hanging and say, be more optimistic. I'm going to give you that juice. I'm going to tell you how to do it. And I am going to do this with my guest, psychotherapist Ken Page of the podcast, Deeper Dating. He will share how self-empowerment and a deeper understanding of oneself can lead to deeper and more optimistic dating. But first and foremost, we got a dish. Our big headline today is... We have a new term that is being inducted into the dating dictionary. And trust me, it's one that you will not want to fall victim to. Then later, dear Demona, I'll tackle the burning question. I'm not quite sure what I bring to the table in a relationship. Any pointers to figure it out? Mmm, intriguing. Let's dish. D's dating dish. In Style Magazine says hesitating is running rampant among singles right now. Plenty of Fish coined this term. I'm telling you, Plenty of Fish is on it with these dating terms. They said 70% of singles are unsure about their relationship status and whether they want something serious or more casual. So in other words, they are hesitating, hesitating to date. They don't know what they want. They're feeling indifferent and unsure of whether they want to date seriously, casually, because life in general is really uncertain right now. And I really believe this is a downstream effect of the pandemic. It's not just the fact that we had a pandemic. It's the fact that it won't freaking end, right? There was this great New York Times article about languishing. I don't know if any of y'all read it, but languishing is this feeling of like not being quite depressed, but not really being excited and optimistic. You're just languishing. You're in the middle. And it just creates all of these icky feelings that bleed over into so many areas of our lives. And I will say this has been interesting. I've seen a lot of different waves, more waves than the number of waves of COVID we have seen. I've seen more waves in dating where first it was like, oh, there was all this enthusiasm around dating apps and people looking as dating apps as a tool to connect and another way to to kind of ride out this this short lockdown that we were under, you know, back in the spring of 2020. And then we had our first summer of uncertainty and that bled into the fall haze and that's when the languishing kind of started and then things just went from bad to worse, of course. And I started to see that People were really pulling away by last summer, which was supposed to be hot girl summer. You remember that? Hot girl summer was not because then we had Delta. So it was like people just wanted to get off the roller coaster. And that's what left us in this messy middle. And now people are continuing to hesitate because all of the restrictions keep changing. Like, oh, I thought it was okay, but now I'm hearing there's this new wave 
And is it safe? Is it safe? This is the question I've been asked the last two years. And I got to tell you, I have a lot of answers. I have a lot of questions. I have probably more answers than I have questions. But this is one question I do not have the answer to. I can't tell you. Is it safe to come out? Is it safe to come out now? Um, Is it safe to date in the current landscape? But what I can tell you is that partnership, relationship is the thing that fuels so much else. And I think it is potentially the thing that could change your feeling of languishing. So staying in this space of hesitating really is is detrimental to our growth as humans. We learn relationally. And hesitating puts those of us who are feeling anxious, who are have an avoidant attachment style, who want to go back into our shell, it gives us the out, right? We're like, oh, okay, I'm not, I'm not, I can keep one foot in and say, well, I'm on the app, but if you're not really present and you're not really there, I swear, get off of it. Do not be on the app if you're going to be half-assed on the app. But if you are feeling that pull and you're like, I want to have partnership, I've just seen First of all, I've seen in my 15 plus years of doing this how mindfully approaching dating changes everything, changes the results that you get. And I'm going to be talking a lot more with Ken about that in the next segment. But I've also seen that at this time, as everything's kind of opening up and we are seeing the spring of possibility, that people are more open to relationships than ever before. A lot of people have taken this time to go inward and get clarity on what do they really want. I want a relationship. Okay, then how do you bring that energy forward and out again when we have spent so much time behind a screen, cornered away in our own little worlds? It takes decisive action. It takes decision, not indecision, to move forward. So spend some time thinking about what you really want. This article says, Ask yourself these questions like, do you want something casual or serious? And look, maybe casual dating is the answer to move you out of languishing. And that's okay. Own that. Embrace that. Do that. But if you want something more serious, lead with that. Put that in your profile. Put that cap on, that mindset, and say, okay, I am a serious dater. I'm looking for a serious relationship, and I'm going to align my actions accordingly. And Figure out what you need to shore up emotionally to come to the table as a whole person because dating will bring out all your stuff, right? And if you haven't been doing that self-work, it was funny, I was talking with my yoga teacher over the weekend about that. She was like, I don't like the term work. It's not work. Like we're, we're not like unfinished beings <laughs> that are, have to do like all this work. It's not like, like my 104-year-old my house that's like falling apart at the seams. <laughs> we don't need to do that kind of work. but what I brought up to her was actually a term that she gave to me through yoga, svadhyaya, self-study. We get an opportunity to study ourselves through this experience, this experience that we've all had. So take a moment to get clear. If you want to read this article, we'll put a link in the show notes that talks about what to do if you're matching with a hesitator or if you are dating a hesitator or if you yourself need to stop hesitating, but you have to start with a decisive action. One such action may be 
getting the profile starter kit so that you can refresh your profile, make it current for what you're looking for now and get you back online easily. I know that jumping over that hurdle of like which app to use, how to write your profile, how to choose which photos is a really big hurdle. And I can help you over that for free at datesandmates.com. Check out the profile starter kit. When we come back, Ken Page will be with us to discuss deeper dating and bring back an optimistic outlook to finding love. Welcome back. I'm here with Ken Page, LCSW. He's a renowned psychotherapist and the host of the Deeper Dating Podcast. He's also the co-founder of DeeperDating.com, an online dating experience for single people to meet in an environment that's kind, respectful, and inspiring. He's been featured in Oprah Magazine, The New York Times, Cosmopolitan, Fox News, and he's also the author of Deeper Dating, How to Drop the Games of Seduction and Discover the Power of Intimacy. Please help me give big smooches to my guest, Ken Page. I am so glad to be here. I'm so glad to be with you, and I'm so looking forward to our talk. I am really excited to talk to you, especially right now, because I don't know if you're seeing this, but there's been a lot of negativity, Ken. (laughs) And one thing I love about about your approach and I love about the Deeper Dating podcast is that you bring this positivity to something that can be really mm, depressing and frustrating for a lot of people. Yeah. And God knows it was for me for decades, for decades, unbelievably. So when I lodged the responsibility pretty much primarily with me, I wasn't attractive enough. I wasn't confident enough. Surprise, surprise, just the stuff that all the dating advice tells us, Mm. you know, and I I really ended up believing that. And I think that's exhausting. I think it's really exhausting. And I think that, you know, online dating can be dehumanizing. We've all been starved for connection for years now. We're we're pre-exhausted to begin with, as well as kind of the exhaustingness of the whole dating world. So, I think that when you approach your search for love from the outside in, it creates a hopeless feeling. But when the locus of control and responsibility shifts, that you realize that this is an intimacy journey and there are steps you can take, like really specific steps to empower yourself. And those steps lead to actual changes in your dating life. And you have a sense of a path with that. Hope comes back. And hope is a big, big deal. Mm, So true. Gosh, there were a couple of things you said there that made my ears perk up, Ken. You said, I wasn't attractive enough. I wasn't confident enough. Yeah. When you say I wasn't attractive enough, what what is underneath that? And what shifted for you to be able to attract your partner now? Here's what shifted. Do I have like a 100% better self-image where I never think that way anymore? No, absolutely not. It was not that that shifted. This is what it was. My focus was endlessly on how I looked and how I acted. And this was like in the gay male community, which was like, you know, a kind of very, very similar, but also a little bit maybe more intense with the looks thing in some ways. So I actually at one point became like really buff, like really buff and really in shape. And I had a lot more sex. And I don't even know if I had more dates. I don't think I had, well, maybe I had some more dates. I know I had more sex, 
but I moved not one inch closer to love. Not one inch! And I worked really hard, too. It made no difference. The thing that made the difference, the thing that made the difference was that an innate quality of goodness in me that I had been embarrassed about my entire life, I finally learned to honor and dignify and treasure and take really seriously. And when that happened, that's when everything changed. And that made me begin to think, maybe there's a pattern here. Mm. The pattern being that our places of greatest passion and vulnerability that we think we need to hide to find love because we're either not enough or we're too much, those parts are what I call our core gifts. And when we start to treasure those, and then we make this shift. We say, I am only, only, only going to look for someone who treasures those qualities in me and where it's mutual. And that is it. When we make that change, our world changes and hope comes back because we start to see things change. Mm. That kind of mirrors something that I talk about. I say, love as you are. And really, I had the same journey, Mm. Ken. Like, the more that I leaned into those things that made me different, that I thought made me unattractive, actually those were the things that attracted the right person for me. And I've heard you say you need to become a student of your attractions. Because when you start when you change internally, then you start attracting something different, some different people into your life. Yeah. Tell me what what you mean when you say become a student of your attractions, and how can we begin to do that? I think there's this endless fixation in the land of dating advice that is, how can I become more attractive? And then this thing that I just, you know, my skin crawls, this concept of that you have to become irresistible to quality people. No, you don't have to do that. You have to become irresistible to the kind of person who's looking for someone just like you. By being you, the focus is on how to become more attractive, but the deeper focus is who am I attracted to? What are my attraction patterns? And how can I begin to shift those? Because you can't make yourself sexually or romantically attracted to someone who you're not. Mm -hmm. Like, that's a path to hell. Ken, what are attractions of deprivation versus attractions of inspiration? So that's the thing of like, we cannot force our attractions, but we can educate them. And they don't change quickly. It's like if you picture like a giant ship in the ocean having to like do a 180 degree turn, it's not going to be quick, but it happens. And knowing what these two different circuitries of attraction are help you set yourself up to make a profound change. Well, uh, uh, The two changes, I think, are embracing those authentic qualities that we talked about not embracing. Big journey of hope there. And the second is to choose your attractions of inspiration and say no to your attractions of... People say this different ways. Some people say, and I love them both, attractions of deprivation or attractions of desperation. It's both. It is absolutely both. So... If you think like in a very binary, kind of like oversimplified way, all of us have these two circuitries of attraction. And we need to, some people know this by themselves and the rest of us have to learn it or learn it the hard way. So one circuitry of attraction is someone is sexy and they're hot and maybe they're a bad boy or a bad girl or a bad them. Guilty and, um, as charged. You just find yourself... <laughs> 
Me too. Not years, me, but my years. attraction was like, yeah, like the more broken, the better. Because then I have somebody to fix. <laughs> yes, right. And there's insurance. They need yeah. you. And for me, it was more like, then I'd be worthy. Mm. If I got this one, who's not so sure about me, I could fix my flaws and then I would be like worthy. That was, that was mine. But attractions of deprivation are the people who almost are able to commit who almost treat you like they treasure you consistently. But no, they don't. They can't. People who look like they try to really curate a decent life, but when it comes down to their like real nitty-gritty stuff, they don't. All of these things that get you hooked, and when you're hooked, then there's this feeling of the person pulling away or not being there, which triggers an ancient response of, I cannot lose this person. So this feels like love. This feels like love, but it's not love. It's something else. It's an attraction of deprivation. And I thought that was the only kind of love there was. And I thought I was so broken for decades because why couldn't I get these people? Why could I never make it work? With this shift of learning to treasure these qualities of goodness, qualities of fierceness, these uh, two kind of contrasting qualities, both of which I felt very embarrassed about, as I learned to treasure them and dignify them and stand behind them, my attractions began to change. And I realized I could also be attracted to people who were kind and decent and smart and curated a good life and were available. It would be a different kind of attraction. It might not be as white hot as first, but something in my heart and soul would feel really good. Now I had to be attracted to those people, but of course there are people like that that we can be attracted to. And I decided no more attractions of deprivation. I am only gonna look for attractions of inspiration. Took me a lot of years to figure this out, but when I did, this amazing thing started happening. I started being attracted to people who were a better quality of people and who were interested in me back. And I was like, this is blowing my mind. This is what never, ever, ever happened for me. And so I began to understand kind of how this works. So what I want to say to everybody in the audience is, you probably have both of those circuitries. Close the bustling door on your attractions of deprivation, because they're addictive attractions. And only look for attractions of inspiration. This is the question that I tell people to ask themselves. Does my deep heart feel safe with this person? And if the answer is pretty much a consistent yes, you got something to go on. Then all the other stuff follows. If the answer is like, uh, not so much, or like it's a bumpy road, or sometimes, that's not going to be the relationship that's going to give you the happiness you're looking for. So this choice, this binary choice, only attractions of inspiration, watch how that changes your world. And then there's one side benefit that comes out of that as well, which is you will be less sensitive to rejection because your goals will have shifted. Mm. You'll be looking for that kind of person as opposed to looking for approval and recognition. Okay, wow, you said a whole lot of things. So let me piece this out <laughs> because I yeah. have also been there in the moment of clarity that you were describing of this is a choice. I am choosing, and I know for a lot of people, they're like, right. Demona, I'm not choosing this. Like I'm on the apps and I'm 
I'm putting myself out there and I'm meeting people. I'm not choosing this. But there is a choice that you make in who you want to engage with, who you want to let in your life. And before I met my husband, I literally made a dating plan for myself. I called it Operation DNG, short for Operation Date Nice Guys, because I realized I was- I love that. I love that. (laughs) I was doing exactly what you were saying. I was was following these attractions of deprivation, of like kind of almost, I was in this like on again, (laughs) off again thing for four years. Meanwhile, in the interim, I would date these like actor, writer, musicians who were like in Hollywood when I was an executive and I was like, do they like me? Do they like what I can do for them? And it was like this constant, constant disappointment where I was chasing a a different feeling, I guess. I don't know if I would say I was chasing validation, but I was chasing this different feeling because that feeling was familiar to me. So I recognized the roller coaster and the highs and lows. And I was just talking to my dating accelerator program this week about that roller coaster that we put ourselves on. Yeah. And I want to get more from you about how you have a healthier way of attracting. Because I was saying to them, when you are dating with purpose and mindfully, mindfully looking at each situation, and not on that roller coaster you have you may have less high highs and fewer low lows it's a little bit more in the middle but it feels different and it it's more sustainable in the search to find that person that you really connect with and you may not recognize the person if you're looking for that that peak that adrenaline that deprivation feeling that you've become accustomed to yeah because it it's a different taste it's cultivating a different taste and in my intensives the way that this kind of works like the kind of pattern that i see like the broad pattern of this whole journey is first the naming of the parts of yourself that maybe you didn't know how to honor and learning how to really champion them and dignify them then the second stage is you just start to lose your taste for those other attractions and then thank god when that happens it's a little bit weird because those were your attractions so then what do you have left And often, I don't know if you had this, but a lot of people I know have this of after you lose your taste for those unhealthy attractions, there's like a a period where not much happens. It's like your system is realigning and reorganizing. So when you lose that taste, when you come to understand my concept of attractions of deprivation versus inspiration, your concept of operation date nice guys, when you get to that point and you make that choice, your field has shifted. And that's a magical thing. And in my intensives, that's what I tell people. I say, now that you've done those first two steps in this process, get out there and experiment because your field is different. You'll attract different people. You'll be attracted to different people. And that's where kind of this adventure of growth really happens. And it can be a slow burn, right? Yeah. And I think a lot of times we get so far ahead of ourselves you know, when we're projecting to the future, what is that? That's anxiety. And people are always writing into the show, like, how do I know? This happened, this happened, this has happened. Do I, how do I know if this is my person? I'm like, I don't know. 
I don't know if that's your person either. And there's no shortcuts. You just have to go through it. You have to go through it. But when you have that clarity that you're talking about, it puts everything through a different lens. It does. It does. And there's great research to back that up. You, When you make that choice, you will notice and be attracted to people who are better for you more frequently. But this brings up for me in this slow burn concept, the thing that was really hard for me for decades was what I call the wave of distancing, which I think is the single greatest destroyer of healthy new love. And it kept me single for literally decades. And that's when you meet someone, they feel like an attraction of inspiration, they're available, and then you're like, this isn't exciting enough. Uh, I'm a little bit bored. Oh, this person's laugh is not as cute as I once thought it was, or, you know, whatever it is. I don't like their apartment or, you know, their design taste or whatever. You start looking for justification for the, the feelings being different, right? Yes. And what that is, is a spasm of fear in many cases, because you finally met someone that really could be available, and that's scary as hell. So that's what I call the wave. And, you know, it's like a wave because it knocks you over but then it passes. I used to leave at that point and just think that I was just, you know, irredeemably immature, but I still had to leave because I wasn't interested anymore. So that's something that, that I know I had to wrestle with a lot. And even with my husband, I say almost for the first year, I would go back and forth between, I am so in love, I'm not going to get that horrible wave again, to... I feel nothing. What mm. happened here? What am I going to do? What have I gotten myself into? But by not pressuring myself and giving myself space for this kind of thing that I have, that many people have, it went away. Mm, it does. And it, you know, it changes. Like, I've been with my husband, we've, we've been married 15 years. And like, mm. there just aren't as many peaks and there aren't as many valleys either. So, and then you do learn how to keep showing up. Yeah. And I think this also dovetails with something you said about just like the way that you the way that you show up yourself and through this transition time and the way that you also show up when you're dating and meeting other people there is this through line of kindness and compassion and I've been talking about empathetic dating mm, love that and cultivating our empathy both for ourselves and for the people that we meet, I feel like that that awakens different sensors in yourself. I'd love to know more from your perspective in this choice to value and practice kindness, how that shows up for you and for your clients in your program. That really shows up in online dating, I think, especially when you're in what I call swipe circuitry which is like that quick circuitry. Because here's what happens. When you slow down and you look for goodness and you kind of practice that and look for people who can match it, and there's a little bit more space, you start to notice someone's smile. You start to notice something in their profile that just has a resonance for you. You're operating from a place that's less fight or flight or sex versus flight or romance versus flight. You just slow down and you notice the person more because your values are changing. When you do that, you will make better choices. And when you're doing that quick thing of just swiping, you actually will be much more prone to choosing your scratch the itch type. Mm. 
which, according to a lot of couples theory, are the people who embody both the best but also the worst characteristics of your primary caregiver. And your ego wants to go back to the scene of the crime to finally get the perpetrator to love you right. And that does not work so well. So by doing just what you're describing, what we're talking about, by making these deep shifts, you're actually going to notice different people. Like you said, Demona, different sensors get activated. And they're much better sensors, and they're sensors that will lead you to so much happiness your future. And um, that's what we work with. And then going through all the bumpy stuff that we go through as we need to rewire. Because when you make these changes, you're going to need to rewire. A lot of old patterns are going to come up that you'll need to be doing thinking about. And, and that's the power of working in a community, like your accelerator program, like my intensive. I just, I just think that doing this in a community makes such a huge difference. You realize you're not alone in what you're experiencing. And also, like, you know, I love dating apps, but it can feel very lonely because it's just you in your profile. So tell me about the process for finding the right fit for that community in, in your program and how someone, if they're interested in exploring that adventure with you, how they can go about doing that. Yeah, yeah. This is this is something that's very close to my heart. I put together four different groups a year. Um, I have a Tuesday group and a Thursday group, and you know each runs for six months. And twelve people in each group that that I have worked with and spoken with. People have a kind of exploratory free meeting with me to explore. Do they really want to dive in for six months? Do this work. Do all the transformation that occurs with it, and commit to working with this exquisite and extraordinary group of accomplished, caring, compassionate people, because we screen for that. So these groups go on for half a year. Almost all of them continue after that half a year. And I give them the tools to become a self-run group. And we're now going to be on our 14th and 15th rounds of these groups. And they're just magical. And I get to work really closely and personally watching these people and supporting this community in supporting each other and in going step by step through the different stages of this deeper dating journey where you learn to lead with your deepest gifts. Mm. So yeah, you know, what happens is these spots fill up very quickly and, you know, there's usually a waiting list. So I would encourage people who are interested in finding out more to just go to deeperdatingpodcast.com and click on work with Ken. And that's where you'll get to learn more about this and set up an appointment because there's a limited number of spots. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing your wisdom and your heart and your kindness with us, Ken. I'm so glad that you were here. And I hope everyone will check out Deeper Dating, the Deeper Dating podcast as well. Thanks for being here, Ken. I'm honored to be here. Y'all need to check out Ken's podcast, Deeper Dating, and follow him on Instagram at deeper.dating. I also highly encourage you to look into his six-month dating intensive at deeperdatingintensive.com. We will be sure to put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. In a moment, I'll be back to answer the following listener question. I'm finding myself feeling comfortably single lately. What's that about? (laughs) I'll tell you in a sec. You know I've got you covered with your dating dilemmas, and you can send me your questions anytime at Damona Hoffman on Instagram, Twitter, or Facebook, or give me a call at 424-246-6255. The question of the week is in the hopper. Dear Damona. Damona, 
help me? This question comes to us from one of our VIPs named T. T says, I'm having trouble identifying what value I bring to a relationship. Do you have prompts to help? I have some complacency arising, feeling comfortably single when I think about taking action towards dating and the relationship I want. What's that about and how do I overcome it? So first of all, T, we're talking about two separate things. So let's put each in its place. Figuring out the value you bring to a relationship is different from finding the inspiration to date again. So I'm going to start with the latter because we were talking earlier in the show about hesitating. And this is really what's at the core of that comfortably single lifestyle. Like you figured it out, T. You got your life working in the most challenging time of our lives. You've been through a pandemic and you're still standing. You are still alive and well and healthy. You are still thriving and you made it. You made it. So it's understandable that you would feel like, okay, things are working right now. Adding another person to this mix may rock the boat. And I've got this nice bubble of single comfort that mm, doesn't sound all that appealing to shake up. Like it's kind of like getting out of a warm bath. You're like, ooh, I'm real comfortable in here. I'm feeling like I might get kind of pruney if I stay. And like, you know, my nails are getting brittle and the water is getting a little bit cold, but I've just been so comfortable. But I have to. I'm going to have to get out eventually. I have to get out of the bath. Now, look, some people do stay in the bath. But I think if you're asking this question, you're wondering, when is the right time to get out of the bath? So what do you need to get out of the bath, T? You're going to need a towel. Am I right? Am I right? You need something to jump to that's still going to make you feel like, all right, this is not the most major shock. I'm like my kids who just like get out of the bath and like run around naked. And I'm like, aren't you freezing? Okay, so grab a towel. And by the towel, it's all the stuff that I was talking about at the top of the show. Like, let's get clear on what what you want. Let's get clear on what you bring to the table. And that can move you out of comfortably single. So now we are at the first part of your question. How do you figure out what value you bring to a relationship? First of all, I want you to date yourself. And this was a huge, huge, life-changing exercise that my coach gave me before I met my husband. She told me that I needed to do like artist dates with myself. I wasn't doing the artist way, for those of you who know the artist way. But she was like, this is a good exercise for you just to do this artist date because this is dedicated time you are spending by yourself with yourself. And I realized that, I don't know if this resonates for you, T, but I was terrified of being alone. And I had to sit in that discomfort and that awkwardness of being by myself and not like being on my phone or looking for a distraction, but just being And that would be a great exercise, especially for right now. If you are comfortably single, take yourself out of your bubble on dates. And then you can really see what do I enjoy and what do I bring to the table? And ask your friends. You can even like survey your friends and see like, what do you think makes me a good friend? Because those qualities that make you a good friend will also make you a good partner. Are you supportive? Are you loyal? Are you kind? Are you thought-provoking? Are you fun? 
And those are the qualities that will attract someone to you. I've also said to really wear your weird in your dating profile. Like the thing that you probably think makes you like weird, unattractive, undateable is probably the thing that's going to make someone say, oh, T is the perfect person for me. And I love this quirky thing about T. And you need to know what that thing is before you will get someone else to recognize it in you. So you got a little homework. But hey, we are here to do that self-work, to do this vadyaya, self-study, because there's so much joy and so much inspiration in that process of going deep inside and figuring out what's making you tick and then finding that person that matches with that and appreciates all of those great things about yourself. That's where all the good stuff of life lives. Ah, I'm feeling so optimistic after episode 407 of Dates and Mates. I hope you are too. If you love the show, Tell someone if there is a message that you heard here that you know needs to be amplified. Please do share the show with your community on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, or just text this episode to a friend. Hey, speaking of Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook, I want to hear from you too. Send me a DM with your question for future Dates and Mates episodes, or just let me know which episodes you love of the show, which ones have really inspired you. You can hit me up at Damona Hoffman, or you can call me or text me at 424-246-6255. Make sure you follow Ken on Instagram at deeper.dating. Check out the Deeper Dating podcast. And if you're interested in that intensive, it's at deeperdatingintensive.com. The link will be in the show notes. We'll be back again next Tuesday with Allison Raskin of the podcast Just Between Us to discuss her new book, Overthinking About You and the Intersection of Dating and 